Welcome back to the Interlude Podcast. You are listening to episode 126, A Conversation with Samantha Harris. Samantha is an Emmy-winning TV host and journalist, an author, a certified personal trainer, a health coach, a wife, a mom of two, an overall promoter of healthy living, and a breast cancer survivor. Samantha was diagnosed with breast cancer back in 2014 when she felt a mass just 11 days after having a completely clean mammogram. She persisted and she advocated for herself and ultimately was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. Samantha was on the Interlude podcast back in 2019, and she shared a lot at that time about her diagnosis, her treatment, and the decisions that she made surrounding her treatment. And I urge you to go back and listen to that conversation. But she's back on the podcast now, really talking about what things look like more than eight years from her original diagnosis and talking about the long lasting changes that she's made to live a healthier lifestyle. She talks about nutrition, diet, exercise, clean beauty, and how she made those changes because they don't always happen overnight. And I think sometimes we struggle with that overwhelm of you know, trying to make so many changes, if that's something that you want to pursue. So I think this conversation is really helpful in providing some of those tips to make those small changes. Samantha is the author of Your Healthiest Healthy, Eight Easy Ways to Take Control, Help Prevent and Fight Cancer and Live a Longer, Cleaner, Happier Life. And she's also started a new partnership with Yoga Works to try to bring yoga to the breast cancer community, which I think is really important. And with that, it is my honor to welcome Samantha Harris to the Interlude podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. Samantha, thank you so much for being here. It's wonderful to see you. You as well. I always look forward to being able to connect because I have always have so many questions for you because you are so full of incredible insight. And um, I know we've talked a lot and I want you to share later about the community that you've created. Tell me, you know, you were on the podcast a couple of years ago and we talked a lot about your diagnosis and your treatment and advocacy and how you pushed for yourself. And I'm going to link to that so people can go back and listen to that episode. But tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are and really I want to talk about today what you're doing now and all the incredible things that you're doing with health and fitness and lifestyle and all of that. Well, you know, it's so interesting that breast cancer brought with it so many surprising turns in my life, one of which uh, most importantly was with health and how I'm handling health. And that's everything we're going to dive into today, how I'm thriving, more energetic, vibrant, and happier than I've ever been. But what I didn't expect it to change is also the trajectory of my career. You know, here I was pre-cancer hosting all these big television shows from eight seasons of Dancing with the Stars to years on Entertainment Tonight and Extra and all the different entertainment shows like E! News and Access Hollywood. And then this breast cancer diagnosis for someone who was already passionate about fitness and wellness, but I didn't quite realize 
how passionate I was about health and wellness at its core. And, you know, of the one in eight women who are diagnosed with breast cancer, when I found that only five to 10% are actually genetic, and even though my dad had colon cancer and his mom was a breast cancer survivor who lived to 95, I had no genetic link. And that's really what changed, was my aha moment because mm -hmm. I, I, would, I had to sit back for a second, put on the journalist hat and begin to research and learn it's really so much about what we're putting in, on and around our bodies, how we are sleeping or not sleeping, how we are dealing with stress or not dealing well with stress, uh, and you know, and what kinds of foods we're eating. Um, and I spent my career in a makeup chair with toxic chemicals and endocrine disruptors and carcinogens in my skincare and my makeup and my hair care. So it was incredibly empowering because as breast cancer patients, we feel so helpless. This thing has just happened to us and it's a whirlwind. And the fact that I was able to say, wait a second, I can take even better control of my health and well-being going forward. And maybe even, oh, wow, yeah, I could even be healthier than I was before cancer. This is amazing. So that raises so many questions for me. You know, one of the things that I hear a lot about is people say, but I, I exercise and I ate, you know, I ate right and I still was diagnosed. And I, how do you reconcile that with saying, but I'm going to really continue to focus on that? Because sometimes I feel like people just get so frustrated that, they did all the right things and here still comes this diagnosis. And that was something that I really struggled with. I had so many of those moments, especially in the first few weeks after my diagnosis of, wait a second, I'm the healthy one among my friends and family. I'm the one who exercises every day. Why did this happen to me? The woe is me moments. And then the, well, what the heck was I doing it for anyway? Give me the bonbons. Let me go curl up in bed and binge all the time. And then when I shifted my perspective and I started to look at everything with, because I was so crushed by the anxiety and the overwhelm of a diagnosis. And I didn't know how long my journey was going to be through the surgeries, the recoveries, the treatment and all of that. I realized I needed to flip my perspective and I did a, a really a mental shift. And that was the biggest turning point for me in my cancer diagnosis and post-cancer life, which was, can I flip the switch and begin to think of things with a positive mindset, with positive self-talk? And that's become one of my best coping mechanisms with anything else that hits me in life, whether it was feeling, oh my gosh, there's this pandemic and we have to stay inside our house for months. How am I gonna do that too? I live in LA and there are earthquakes and I feel like I'm going to crumble literally under you know, the pressure of what do I do to save my family? Okay, how do I prepare? What's positive in my life? What is good? And when I, with cancer, I started to realize because I was in good shape, because I was taking pretty good care of my health or so I thought, I was going to have fewer complications and surgery. I would have a better chance of recovery faster. I would be able to hopefully reduce a, um, you know, my, um, my recurrence. And so the more I thought about that, the more I realized, oh, wow, I need to keep exercising. I need to adjust maybe how I'm eating and oh look at all of the you know non-organic conventionally raised pesticide heavy produce I have to my in my house look at all the animal proteins that aren't even well sourced that I'm eating look at all these things that uh, oh look at the skincare and the makeup and the hair care that have endocrine disruptors and carcinogens and neurotoxins that I didn't know our FDA didn't take care of us and protect us mm -hmm. from okay I can become an empowered consumer and that gave me so much of, um, well, control, control over something I didn't have control of. 
but it's almost overwhelming, right? Hearing, hey, I have to, I have to exercise, I have to eat better. And wait a second, all these things I'm putting in my body. And, and there's so much mixed messaging out there about chemicals and makeup and skincare and, and all of that. And so I think, where do you start? You know, how did you start making those changes that really, you know, fostered all of the, you know, the next few years for you? Well, and that's something that I now am helping others to do because I had that overwhelm and you can be crushed over the, or not even crushed, but you can be paralyzed by yep. the overwhelm, mm-hmm. right? Okay, you know what? There's too much to do. I'm not going to do anything. And that's not the best thing we can do for ourselves. So small, manageable steps, whether I'm coaching one-to-one or I'm talking to my community of coaching you know, as a group or my retreats or whatever I'm doing. I really reinforce this idea that we just have to take that first little step. So for me, when it came to products, let's say, Mm -hmm. I started with, and I know there's still a lot of school of thought out on aluminum and deodorant, but I had a lot of breast cancer survivors who said, are you still using aluminum in your deodorant? And I said, what do you mean? I don't understand. And so, but that was my gateway product to Mm -hmm. opening my eyes to the fact that, wait, I've never even thought to read the ingredients labels on my products and to slowly begin to understand where the challenges or harm comes. You know, the the European Union bans over 1400 different substances as known carcinogens, possible carcinogens or endocrine disruptors. And the US only bans 30. And we haven't rehabbed our personal care and safety act since 1938. It's a bill has been stuck in Congress since 1950, since uh, 2015, but we haven't updated it since 1938. (laughs) It's it's insane, right? It's just insane to me that these things are happening and and no one knows about it. No one really talks about it. It's something that I, I was so baffled by. And of course, now that I'm so entrenched in the wellness world of how to take better control of our well-being by being aware of reading labels and understanding, I now see that thankfully there are more and more of us who are going, okay, our eyes are open. Let's keep talking about it. Let's keep that conversation going. So the newly diagnosed can learn about it, or hopefully those who never have to get a diagnosis because they start making those small methodical changes. So where I encourage people to start, let's say with makeup, Mm -hmm. you know, skin is of course our biggest organ. So just start with your foundation. I'm not saying to go to your makeup drawer and dump everything in the garbage. We spend a lot of money on this, right? Yeah. We spend a lot of money on it. We love, we have our favorite brands and we have our favorite products. And so, you know, changing everything overnight versus over the course of months, probably isn't going to make a huge difference in terms of your future diagnosis or not. So our recurrence or not. So just start with your foundation, maybe start. And then maybe with your skincare regimen, start with your night cream or your SPF day cream and just start to make sure that, and by the way, there are great guides out there. You don't have to, I, I know when I look at a label now, I can see a lot of like, it's like, I see them in bright red, you know, mm-hmm. jumping out off the, the label at me, but it's taken, look, I was diagnosed in 2014. It's been a long road of learning slowly one step at a time. There are some really great resources, whether you use me as a resource, if you're listening, or you go to the Environmental Working Group's website, ewg.org, and look up a specific product or a specific ingredient where they give a rating, one to 10, one being the cleanest, 10 being the more, most toxic. And then they tell you why. Is it a neurotoxin? Is it a carcinogen? Is it an allergen? What, what, and also what is the level of data we have? Is it 
fair data, meaning there's lots of it, or is it limited data or no data at all? So there's a lot of great info and there are also great um, other online retailers who have very high strict uh, mm -hmm. limits with what types of products they will allow be based on the ingredients in those products. And so thankfully we have hundreds of companies now that have very clean products. If you go, look, I'll be fair. If you're going to go to the department store, like we always used to and buy any of the big brands we've all grown up with, most of them are not going to be yeah. clean, mm -hmm. but slowly, but surely, I mean, even places like Sephora and target are starting to get some cleaner standards and they'll label. I don't know that their standards are still as high as mine are for clean, but they're definitely a step in the right direction. And the fact yeah. that the demand is there. Well, one of the things I love about EWG is that it's so easy. You can be uh, at the drugstore and just plug in the name of it, but it's great because during chemo, you know, I think there's so many top products that can are allergens. And so during chemo, when your skin is already really sensitive, that's a great tool to use to make sure that what you're using isn't just going to exacerbate any skin reactions and things like that. It's a really good point. And, and also, you know, as people are going through treatment, knowing that you have the, the resources out there and the support network to say, Hey, you know what? Look, honestly, people DM me all the time on Instagram or Facebook and I get back to them, especially every breast cancer patient or survivor or thriver. I always, get back to them to say, Hey, here's some guidance. Here's a road you can go down. Um, and I, I think that having people or, or companies that you can go to as your source is really helpful because to navigate it alone. I mean, like you said, so much conflicting information mm -hmm. and also what's right for some person might not be right for another person. So especially when it comes to nutrition, right? We, that was the other really big area I made changes. So for me, I was, I grew up in Minnesota. I ate every part of the cow there is. I ate a lot of poultry, a lot of fish. And I, you know, I started to read about the, you know, the insulin like growth factor one and how mm -hmm. IGF high levels can raise your cancer risk. And so I decided for me, it was right to start to limit my animal protein intake. Um, some people need more animal protein than others based on their unique biology. But then how are you sourcing it? Is it grass fed? Is it pasture raised? Are you having an, you know, an eight ounce portion, which is really unnecessary for anyone, mm -hmm. or can you make it a, you know, a small two ounce portion? It's more of the condiment than the main course and veggies and, and plant-based foods, which if you're a, you know, a guru who espouses vegan or keto or vegetarianism or keto or paleo, all will agree that a plant-based nutrient-dense foundation is the optimal way for everyone to live. Now, I completely agree with everything that you just said. And here's one of the things that I hear a lot about from my patients in the community. They want to make these changes. They want to follow a plant-based diet and their family is not there. So you have two girls. Um, yep, teenagers. You know, and, and so you know, walk me through, right? How does it work in, in your household in terms of what you're feeding them to you? Are you making separate meals? Have they kind of gotten on board? You know, my kids are four and six. And so we're still in chicken nuggets. And yeah. you know, we've got I we do chickpea pasta. So I feel like that's a win. But you know, we're still in that like toddler meal stuff. So yes. and by the way, at 12 and 15, they haven't outgrown the nuggets. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, you know, look, if you're, if you guys are listening to this, you can't see, but if you're watching, you can see I'm, I'm still sipping my smoothie. It's something that I know I can start my day, whether, no matter what my family is eating. And actually my husband has begun to subscribe to the way that I eat as well. And he might eat a little bit more animal protein throughout his month, but still much more limited than he did even. And we, but we start our day with a really great nutrient dense smoothie. It's a really nice way to have food on the go. You can prep it the night before if you need to grab and go and you're, you know, you have a busy morning and still ensure that you're not going to grab that bagel, that donut, that drive through mm -hmm. Dunkin' or Starbucks or whatever else, because you're going to then get that sugar rush. That's going to lead to a whole host of other issues because of the, the insulin um, levels that are surging your body. So um, for you, you know, as an individual go, okay, what do I need to take care of myself as a cancer survivor? Um, and I know I need to start my day with nutrient density. That will also set me up for success as I go through the day to continue to make healthy choices. When we start our day with that sugar bomb from the local coffee shop and we grab that pastry on the way out the door, what it does is it really ends up leading to a cascade mm -hmm. of building on you know, sugar highs and crashes and then you cravings and then it just, it's a vicious cycle. So, um, you know, my smoothie and you guys can always, you know, send me a DM or drop a comment. I'll give you my smoothie recipe. Um, and, and, and it sometimes mine takes a little getting used to, so you can always <laughs> alter it as you need. This is where it's gotten to. It started a whole different way. Again, small steps, right? So, you know, now my smoothie has you know, always a plant-based protein powder and matcha green tea powder and flax, which are both really great protective um, elements for breast cancer and chia seeds. So I'm getting my, those great omega threes. And then I love to put in, you know, my leafy greens, whether it's spinach or kale or a combination of both, maybe some collard greens or even Swiss chard, broccoli sprouts, who knows? And, you know, all the things that I won't eat by themselves, but I'll eat them basically as I drink them through my smoothie. Yeah. And then the berries, which also are great cancer fighters. Mm -hmm. Um, and whatever assortment of, of berries that I do. And then I love to put ginger and you know, a, whole, a whole bunch of other great things. But so that's one way to make sure you are taking care of you nutritionally to start your day. Even if the kids are having their waffle out the door before school, you're getting your smoothie um, or an acai bowl or a smoothie bowl. Again, just a great way to get all of that. Well, dinners are definitely the most challenging because that's usually when the families come together. Mm -hmm. So to address that question, uh, I've integrated a lot of different plant-based meals into our week, whether it's, you know, a tofu stir fry, or like you said, a chickpea pasta, or even a chickpea pizza crust. You can buy great chickpea. Oh, those, are, those are great. Right. And they yeah. taste, they taste great. And especially when they're younger kids, they really don't notice it's right. Well, it's funny because my kids only, we only buy chickpea pasta. Um, Bonza's our, our go-to brand and they have the crust and they've all, and so if they're, they actually don't like the taste of other pasta, cause like they're, that's all they, they know. And so like right. we're somewhere else or at a restaurant, they actually won't order pasta because they're like, what is this, this what is taste like what we were used to. So, you know, it just goes to show that you, you got to keep offering those foods, but it, they can stick. Well, and I think also it goes to, to show that, you know, we can train our palate and, Look, I was someone who had, I had a sugar addiction. I was literally a candyaholic. I think even in my, my acting resume in my early days in LA as a kind of a funny little endpoint on my hidden talents and skills, it was like candyaholic. 
but I mean, I, I had, because, you know, look, I grew up in a time where fat free and low fat was the way to eat. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know any different. So and differently. So Snackwell sandwich cookies, they oh, were low fat. Oh my God. I remember those. And you, you thought you had your calorie packs and you were right. like, great. Great. Oh, I need a whole row and be like, eh, it's low fat. Or yeah. red vines, they were a fat free, I mean, promoted as a fat free food. Okay, forget the fact that they have high fructose corn syrup and red dye yeah. number 40, which are both carcinogens and terribly, terribly, you know, yeah. addictive and harmful. And so, I, and I was afraid of fat, I, because again, everything had to be fat free. I did not eat anything that had fat in it if it was too much. So the fact that now I eat avocados and nuts and seeds, I eat cashew, raw cashews by the handful every morning as I'm making my smoothie. It's proof that we can change our palate, but we have to retrain our taste buds. And so I have a few different ways I like to do that, whether it's either incorporating a food you like with a new food that you're trying to like because you know it's good for you um, or you know it's a slow introduction or maybe if if someone's afraid of brussels sprouts well yes just basic brussels raw are not, I t- you know they take some getting used to but a great roasted brussel is amazing mm-hmm. you know so trying different food preparations if you don't really like raw broccoli or even steamed broccoli sauteing or roasting it or at blending it and making it into a soup so many different ways to get these great plant-based phytonutrients into our diet but again just slow trying and keep going and the more knowledge we have of what good it does for us to me anyhow i know that really helped me i thought okay i'm going to keep trying to eat this because i know it's good for me or switching products okay i look i would love a good aerosol hairspray to use every day still that like has like, you know, the power that hold all day long where my hair is not going to move. However, I know that the polyfluorocarbons in that, that make the propellant are really harmful to us. If we're you, especially if we're using it every day. So, you know, first step to do, if I've got, you've got a big, you've got a big event that you've got to go to, it's a wedding, it's a reunion, right? At least spray your hair, hold your breath and spray it outside and don't use it every single day. Yeah. That's one, you know, just again, small steps, then eventually find a pump spray and then make sure it's a pump spray with the cleaner ingredients, one slow step at a time. So how do you do, you have the new game show, you're on the air, you're doing all these events. How do you handle like the hair and makeup <clears throat> for those events? <laughs> so thankfully I'm in a position in my career now where I, have my own team of hair and makeup girls who come and with my show. So this tug of words is this wordplay game show on game show network that I, we shot 65 episodes in three weeks, six shows a day. So 12 hour days, you need the hair and makeup to stay. You don't have to, we, we barely had time to change wardrobe, let alone, you know, redo the whole makeup and hair because it was falling or, you know, sinking into my skin. So thankfully I've been friends with these girls for a long time and I, you know, they know my journey. And I said, look, I only want clean products. I'm going to give you a list of a bunch of different brands. I know I've liked and tried. I'd love for you to do some research. And it was great. We had this amazing team effort. And they also, because they work with these products all day, they've now adopted a lot of these in their full kit. So they're like, well, why do we want to put carcinogens on our other clients? And so that's been really exciting. And I've assembled a list of the products that really worked well. Um, And I have some that I use every day in my home on my daily life. And then I have others that I just, I know work, but I just didn't like them as much for me, but I know they're really clean and they work. So anyone who's listening, who wants my list of go-to hair care, makeup, skincare, DM me on Instagram or on Facebook, and I will just send you the list. 
and you know if you have questions and try stuff you know it's it's the best part is that i had that that I, I was the guinea pig for these girls but they used my map to to guide them so on that topic one of the questions that get asked a lot you know is what what is an endocrine disruptor right so i'd love to hear your take on it and how there's endocrine disruptors and kind of like everything that we in our lives right so how do you navigate that a great question. And obviously I'm going to leave the science part of it to explain to your patients much better than I will be able to articulate. Um, you know, the basic is that endocrine disruptors mess with our hormones, right? They mess with the expression of our hormones. They mess with the production or the functionality of our hormones. And that goes beyond just our estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, of course, being an estrogen positive breast cancer and progesterone positive. Um, that's where my mind goes, but insulin and cortisol and oxytocin, which are also important hormones, we don't want any of these to be disrupted. We don't want them to uh, malfunction. So when we have skincare or makeup or even our cleaning supplies in our home that mimic estrogen in our body in a way that then messes with the actual production and functionality of our, our own estrogen, that's a problem. And the same goes for plastics, right? We have these phthalates that are endocrine disruptors that are in um, and in BPA, which most people are starting to become more familiar with because you'll see it on a label that something's BPA free. Um, and so those are all endocrine disruptors. So the more, and again, look, I would love to sit here and say, we can get every single toxin out of our lives. Mm-hmm. Piece That's of cake. You know, like I live in LA, I'm in a smog filled environment. I'm breathing toxic air on a daily basis. Uh, I can have more house plants. I can, you know, try to get to the ocean more. I can try to do, you know, bring in air purifiers into my home that can help, uh, but it's going to mitigate it. It's not going to eliminate it. And so same thing when we go to the grocery store, look, I make my smoothie every day, but I buy my pre-washed spinach and kale. They're housed in plastic containers. Now, ideally, you take them out immediately when you get home, anything that's in plastic or a plastic um, BPA-lined container, and you put it into glass or uh, a silicone Tupperware or something like that. I will be honest, that's one thing I ha- step I haven't made, right? It's yeah, just that a, seems like a lot. That's just a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> right, I it's a lot of work. By people so who like, wash their, you know, everything in advance and they take it out. And, oh, I'm so impressed by those people. No, exactly, exactly. And look, there's here's the there will always be ways to level up. You know, yeah. for instance, even when it comes to something like blueberries, if you're buying conventional blueberries right now, well, they're very high in pesticides. So level up, buy organic. Then when you're ready to level up again, buy wild blueberries, and those are come in abundance um, as organic wild blueberries, mm-hmm. frozen to throw into smoothies or thaw to put into different dishes. But so the same thing goes slowly but surely, at least with your cookware get rid of the Teflon, get rid of the nonstick coating, go with, you know, whether it's, uh, in my, I still like a nonstick, but my nonstick is now um, ceramic, which is much safer. It doesn't have the PTFEs, which are these, these polyfluoral carbons that get into our air. And especially if you happen to get any scrapes or scratches on your cookware, it actually brings those carcinogens into our foods. And uh, we're also breathing it as, as it's the high heat is 
sifting up into the air. So that's one way to just slowly change out your cookware, changing out your plastic containers for food storage, right? So I have mason jars, I have glass containers with plastic tops still, but I kind of feel like, okay, that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, and there's some really great silicone because the hard part about getting glass, of course, is that it's heavy. And then the the um, aluminum or stainless, not aluminum, but the stainless steel containers are lighter, but you can't see through them. So I have found, you know, just going on Amazon, they've got some great see-through silicone options that are also nice. So there are, where every time you're gonna put up a wall and say, nope, can't get over that hurdle, I promise you there is an answer. Look it up, reach out to me, we can get through it together. I love that. Um, so in the time we have left, let's kind of pivot a little bit and talk about exercise because um, I love seeing your videos on Instagram. You're always moving and jumping and I um, literally jumping, uh, which <laughs> I think is great. Um, but talk to me a little bit about your movement habits and then the yoga work that you're doing with Yoga Works. Sure. Well, first of all, and I see you uh, also, you're always running. You're on a, is it the Peloton you also use, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I love it. And, and I think about you with your very busy patient schedule and surgical schedule and all of these things that you are doing. And the fact that you're, that you get your workouts in because you know how important it is. And we can make every excuse in the book to not move our bodies. And, you know, we're too cozy in bed. We don't want to get out of bed. We've got too much to do. Who doesn't? It's cold outside. It's raining. So always having a plan B for your exercise scheduling it like any other appointment in your day. But the bottom line is it's about consistency. So the more you are consistent, the more of a habit it becomes. I literally, I don't think about the, like, am I going to exercise tomorrow or am I not? No, I know I'm exercising. And I also have a pattern of what I like to do Monday through Friday and then on the weekends, but I always have a plan B. So if it's raining out and it's my day to run or bike, Guess what? I'm inside doing a, you know, either a live class online, an on-demand class. I have a, a little mini trampoline, which is great for a lymphatic drainage for mm-hmm. us to add our lymph nodes out to help our lymph system go. And if you're having any swelling in your arm or heaviness from, you know, early lymphedema or just again complications from the axillary node biopsy, uh, jumping around on a trampoline is a really helpful way to reduce that. Um, that's one of the reasons I first got one, and then. Now I have it as just a great extra workout that brings the cardio in without the impact. So there are some really great benefits to that. And then yoga is something that I started before cancer because I thought Madonna had really awesome arms and she's a dedicated (laughs) yogi, fully extrinsic, like only superficial reasons I wanted to do yoga. And then I started to do yoga and I realized with my go, 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 never stopping, never sitting still lifestyle in my TV world and as a mom and running a household, yoga brought a gift I didn't see coming, which was staying on the mat. And that meant mindfully being present. My to-do list was going to be there when I left the room. So my biggest challenge when, when I did yoga, where some people, it's like, I can't touch my toes. And that's okay, by the way, you don't have to get into a pretzel. Yoga is accessible for everybody at every fitness level. But it was more can I stay present? Can I stay here and not think about the 17 things I want to do when I leave or I need to get done? And after cancer, I realized how much it helped me to open up, you know, with all the limited range of motion I had after my three surgeries and the body confidence 
that was lacking, how can I reclaim my body? I realized that yoga was a great outlet for that. And uh, I've been a longtime national ambassador for Susan G. Komen, of course, the breast cancer nonprofit. And so they just recently, and I'm an ambassador now for this program called Yoga Works Pink, which is a combination of Susan G. Komen's knowledge and efforts and Yoga Works expertise for yoga to create Yoga Works Pink, which is a dedicated first of its kind yoga and wellness platform, which also includes meditation and breath work for the breast cancer community. And so the poses and the practice have all been tailored to the needs that we have coming out of surgery or going through treatment. And then the lesson, and they're both live and on demand, and they're giving three months free for anyone in the breast cancer community, including our caregivers or our family members. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Right. Like those are the people who are neglecting themselves right now with care because they're taking care of us. So I think that's pretty special. And then if you decide to stay on, then 25% of that uh, reduced rate fee will go to Komen directly for all the work that they do for advocacy and making sure that um, there's, you know, access to care for everyone and um, all the research that they do. So, uh, but but the poses that are adapted that you learn in the Yoga Works Pink program um, are then adaptable to any of the other regular yoga works classes, which you also have full access to the whole time. And that's 25 live classes a day and more than 1300 on-demand classes. So it's been a really neat program to be a part of and to be able to share with the breast cancer community. Um, I love the classes. I go to a live class on Thursday mornings and well, Thursday morning, my time, 1215 East coast time. Um, There are usually about 250 people on the zoom. It's amazing. It's yeah. a great, Vinny's his name. He's great. Um, and then I try, I try to take on the weekends as well, at least once or twice. And then, you know, that's, or go for a hike one of those days. So, I mean, all of that sounds amazing, right? And <laughs> yes, and everyone knows we, we have to exercise. And I love what you said about not, am I going to exercise today? But what am I, you know, when am I exercising today? What am I going to do for movement? What about people who are really just, they they are having that heart that, that hurdle, that hard time getting started. You know, do you have any kind of practical or tangible tips for them as to just how to start building that habit? Absolutely, and it's something I work with with people a lot on. Um, so you know, first of all, again, scheduling it in your calendar, literally writing it down. Don't just say, okay, I think I'm going to do it Monday at 10 a.m. No, in your calendar, Monday at 10 a.m. and you're blocking out time. Is it 20 minutes? Is it an hour? It doesn't matter how much time it is. Just getting that movement in is really essential. And here's what I also found out. So I I know that when you start moving, this actually happened to me even this morning. I I knew I was working out, that wasn't the question. I started doing one of my rebounder workouts and I was tired, I was not in the mood. But when you get started, the endorphins start going, right? The energy starts up and you end up going usually longer and harder than you think you're going to. And there are days you don't. And then you end and you're like, you know what? At least I got a few minutes in. So my, my challenge to anyone who's listening, who's in that place where they're, they're just, they're not exercising at all, or they're not exercising with regularity is commit to moving your body for five minutes, whether it's twice a week or every day. If you don't work, if you, I had, I had a client who had never worked out, um, she is 300 pounds. She was afraid to move her body because she just didn't know what that was going to do. And we started literally with five minutes twice a week. 
And then we increased it to five minutes, three times, and then 10 minutes and so on until finally, and it took, it took many months to get to that regularity, but she ended, she, now she's working out 45 minutes to an hour, five days a week. She changes it up from walking in her neighborhood to doing an on-demand class and finding out what's right for you, right? Just because someone likes spinning doesn't mean the next person's going to like spinning. Mm -hmm. and so trying different things, maybe grabbing a workout buddy who can also double as an accountability partner. So someone you have to show up for and look forward to. Maybe it's that friend you just, you guys never get together, but you want to. You know, I have a couple of friends like that and we go hiking. I wish we went every single week, but you know, we, we schedule it and I look forward to it. And now I'm accountable to that person to show up. That also really helps. And for some people, it's a matter of putting their money where their where their mind is with it. They they know that if they pay for a class or they pay for a train, or even if it's an online class, some of them are free, some of them you're paying for. And if you don't cancel within 24 hours, you get, you know, you get charged. Believe me, that's motivation to want to get on camera. <laughs> I I absolutely agree. We could talk for hours um, about all of these topics, but I'm so grateful for you for taking the time to come on and, and share some of these incredible tips. Where can listeners, people who are watching this, how can they connect with you? Tell me about your community that you've created. Well, first of all, I'm really active on Instagram, but also trying to be better about Facebook. And that's Samantha Harris TV, like television. I'm also actually trying to get out doing TikTok, but it's also the same handle, Samantha Harris TV. Yeah, you gotta do it. I'm like, I don't know. There's just so much. My kids are like, mom, you gotta be on TikTok. I, I just, know I can't, like, I don't love it, but I'm trying to do more there because that is where people are. But I just, I, I mean, it's so you know. hard. It's so hard. <laughs> so um, I just feel I got the cool factor because I got verified on TikTok. I was already verified. Oh, okay. So now, now. So I know my kids are like, whoa, mom, you're verified. You have the blue check mark on TikTok. That's, that's whoa. like. That's more like notoriety status than anything. Else. Yeah, I'm like, hi, girls, I've been on Twitter forever. You know? no, I don't even go on Twitter anymore. Um, but yeah, so so Instagram and Facebook, it, literally, you know, I'm putting out whether it's reels or IGTVs, you know, videos or just content all the time to help support exactly everything I've talked about with mm -hmm. Dr. Chaplinski today, you guys. So um, that's a great place. I lead retreats twice a year, sometimes three times a year in Santa Monica, California, and in Utah. The Utah one oftentimes has a lot of breast cancer survivors, and it's been an incredible group who keep kind of coming back, and the new women who come every year. This, um, yeah, so you know, you can always check that out. All the links are always in my bio on Instagram. Um, you can also access information at Samantha-Harris. Samantha-Harris.com. Couldn't get Samantha Harris. I don't know. Some little girl got that from her parents. So uh, they bought that website when she was born. I'm like, man, okay, that's all right. That's all right. I'll go with the dash. So Samantha-Harris. But otherwise, um, on Instagram and Facebook, and you guys can always DM me and I can share my clean skincare and beauty products, my you know retreat info. And then I have a wellness a subscription-based wellness community. So a private coaching group. And I do a live coaching every week. I bring in incredible experts like Dr. Toplinski, and I lead a live, a live workout every Every week as well, which is a separate from the Yoga Works Pink, um, which is fun. We do cardio together. We do weights. Sometimes we do a booty bar class. So okay. it's, it's good times. That sounds wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Really glad talking to you again. Thank you all for listening to my conversation with Samantha. 
I think it is so important to have these conversations about healthy habits and how we can all live healthier lifestyles and how to make those habits stick and how we can be more consistent with habits because I think it's something that we all all have to work on. Um, even the people that you know you think have it all together with diet and exercise still struggle. I know that for me, even though I work out every morning, there are so many days where I would just rather stay in bed. And so it's a constant, constant work to continue those healthy behaviors. So I, I hope that you were able to learn something from this conversation. I urge you to connect with Samantha on Instagram, on Facebook, through her website, through Yoga Works, any of the number of ways, um, including her small, um, including her private community, which is really wonderful. As she mentioned, you can find Samantha on Instagram at Samantha Harris TV. And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, you name it, at Dr. Toplinski. If you enjoyed this episode or any others of the Interlude podcast, I am always grateful if you can take a moment to leave a reading or review for the podcast because that helps me so much to grow the show and to bring it to new listeners. Thank you again, and I will see all of you soon.